You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Happy Valentine's Day. How are you today? Hey, let's do something just for fun. If you're wearing red and it's Valentine's, uh, it is today, uh, Valentine's, but if you're wearing red, uh, stand up. If you've got red on, stand up, okay? All the red people who thought about, even if you wore red by accident, I'll let you in on uh, the, the love fest here. All right, you know how, red folks, all right, now you know how, uh, stay standing for just a minute, red folks. Uh, on St. Patrick's Day, if, if you're not wearing green, you get what? You get a pinch. Well, on Valentine's, if they're not wearing red, they get a kiss. So why don't you turn to, <laughs> to somebody and give them a kiss? Uh, some of you are like, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Hey, today is our last installment of the Inspired series, and it is Valentine's. And, uh, you know, we, uh, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love you. Happy Valentine's. Thank you. You know what else I love? I love my church. And I, and I love what God's doing in our church and our life. I love the, the place where we're at as a church, and I love our future. And that's kind of what the Inspired series has been about. We've been looking at, at, at the, the great inspiring stories, some of them, because the Bible is filled with them. We've been looking at some of the most inspiring stories of the Bible, challenging us in our life, inspiring us to, to, to imagine God doing bigger than we could uh, hope for, and, and believing that God can work in our life and that God is working in our church. And, and part of this uh, inspired series, we've been talking about the vibe. And the vibe is, uh, is our future. The, the vibe is, is what is ahead of us as a church for Living Way Church. The Bible says that without a vision, the people perish or the people wander aimlessly or they, or they cast off restraint. They, just, they tend to just kind of self-destruct or go nowhere. Well, we believe that there is a vision for us as a church. We are going somewhere. Living Way has never been a typical normal church, so our vision that God has given for us to fulfill the Great Commission is unique and untypical. Um, we have been in some sort of theater for about 12 years. This We've been here at the AMC for 10 years, so we've been pretty much since the early days a theater church, and, and it's been by design. It's been on purpose. In the last uh, six to seven years, we've been talking about uh, our future for the vibe and, and the mission that God would have for us to, to actually have a venue and, and a future coffee shop and a place where, where we can be life uh, to our city and to our community and not just another building, another church, but actually a place where the church is being the church. And we see this as a three-step process. That is the first step is relocation, and we believe that is this year. We believe that this year is the year that we are to move from the theater. It's been it's been a tough uh, decision to do that, but we, through prayer, our leadership and our our staff, believe that this is the right time, the right season, and that we are at uh, at a place where God is challenging us to do this, to step out in faith. So this is a step one is relocation. Step two is a venue, which will be uh, six months to a year after that, and then the coffee shop, which will be about a year after that. So that's our future. Uh, but this is the year we relocate, and part of that challenge is uh, is uh, the challenge to step out and to do and uh, and uh, to allow God to do 
to inspire you. Over the weeks, we've talked about Abraham, who, who was inspired to trust God. His story inspired us to trust God. And Joseph and Nehemiah, who inspired us to dream big. And Daniel, who inspires us to be different. And then King David, uh, before he was a king, he was a young man who took on Goliath, and he inspired us to be brave. And then last week, we looked at Esther, a woman who was born for such a time as that, that she used her place to make history, and she inspires us to make history. Today, we're going to look at one more story, and we're going to look at a man who inspires us to step out of the boat. Uh, today is Commitment Sunday for uh, our challenge, for the 410 challenge, and and uh, I was telling Nicole uh, last night, it's, it's kind of, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. You know, in the in the uh, um, years that we have been a church, we have never uh, done a any kind of pledge campaign or any kind of fundraising campaign to to be able to uh, to help us to turn the the page to to change the chapter. And you know, every church has them, and we're uh, we're unique in how God has called us. But this is new for me. It's new for you. It's a challenge, and and it definitely draws a line in the sand on on what you're going to believe about our church. We are actively looking for a location. But first, we need to uh, make sure that we have some savings in the bank. So uh, this 410 challenge is a four-month and a 10-month challenge. The four months are we're challenging you to, to step out in faith and to, and to sacrifice in a very uh, uh, unique and faith-filled, trust-filled way uh, that we believe that we're going to, we believe we're shooting to raise $40,000 in four months. I believe we can do it. And then we're going to do a 10-month challenge where for 10 months we give a little bit more to our than our normal uh, giving as a smaller pledge, and we do it for a longer amount. We believe that we're going to raise another 40 in 10 months. So we believe that over the course of a year, we're going to raise anywhere to eighty dollars to $100,000. And you're like, that seems impossible. It's not. It's actually very, very doable uh, when we embrace what God's called us to do. Because I love our church, I'm all in, and I believe in it. And uh, we've made our pledge. We're going to talk about that later on. But before, I want to share with you one more story. Something in this story applies to every one of us uh, because every one of us struggle with this, and that is raw dependence on God. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship built on trust and dependence on God through Jesus Christ. It all comes down to do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God with the the places and the the experiences and the resources? Do you trust God with the things in your life? So it all started, this story, all started at the end of a remarkable day with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, it's found in Matthew 14, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, nearly 15,000 people had traveled all over the, the country to hear Jesus, and they were there, and they listened to him all day. Hour after hour, they listened to Jesus. Then nearing the end of the day, the disciples said, it's time to let them go. It's getting late, and they're getting hungry, and Jesus says, we can't send them away hungry. What kind of food do we have? And all they had was a few loaves and fishes from this little boy in the crowd, and Jesus says, that's all I need. If I have by faith a little, I can turn it into a lot. I can multiply it. So Jesus took those few loaves and fishes, you maybe know the story, and he did a creative miracle. 
And he turned that handful of fish and bread into thousands and thousands of fish and bread. He fed every one of the people in the crowd. There were 5,000 men, not including the women and children. Now, if we assume that there is perhaps one or two children per family and that some of those men were uh, uh, married or that there were some sisters in the crowd, a low estimate is 15,000 people. A realistic estimate would be closer to 20,000 people. A prayer turned a few loaves and bread and some fish into thousands, and Jesus then sent them away, and then he sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee, which is pretty much a lake. It's Think Lake Michigan. It's very large. It's very big. He says, I'll catch up with you later, and he stayed back and prayed. And so they went on. So I want you to imagine just this experience for a minute. They just saw a creative miracle. They saw one of probably the, one of the biggest miracles they've ever seen yet with Jesus. And they still, according to this place in the Bible, didn't really know who Jesus was. They still struggled. They were, they were uh, following him as, as they would a rabbi, as they would a holy man, as they would a prophet. And they knew that he was special. They knew that he was unique, but they couldn't quite believe or trust that he was exactly the Messiah or the Son of God, God in the flesh. They hadn't quite truly embraced that yet, but could you imagine? Jesus says, all right, you guys, go on across. I'll meet you on the other side. And I'm thinking, how's he going to get across? And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. You just go on across. I'm going to go up to the mountain and pray here for a while. And so they're going down there, and they're like, could you believe what happened today? Can you believe what happened today? Not only did they have enough food, but the Bible says there was leftovers. Could you imagine the conversation? I don't know about you, but my mind would be blown. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot believe that we get to be a part of this. I, it, did, did it really happen? I mean, he just prayed and boom, and it's just... I'm sure that they were flustered, they were flabbergasted, they were confused, they were amazed, they were astonished, they were celebrating. It was all kinds of emotions. And in Matthew 14, verse 22 is where we're going to pick up the story. Immediately after, uh, after this, the feeding of the, of the 5,000, which could anywhere have been to 15 to 20, um, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples go back into the boat across to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy uh, heavy waves. Some of the other translations say a storm blew in. Actually, this story is found in three of the four Gospels, so it is solid as a real-life experience that truly happened. And there are six parts to, to getting out of the boat, six parts to this story. And this is the first part, and that is the storm, the storm. When you find, let me ask you a question. When do you find out if you can trust somebody? When can you find out if you can truly trust somebody? When challenges come, when the storms come, then and only then do you know if you can truly trust them we find out who is reliable. See, storms are the great gut check of relationships. Storms are the great challenge, the great testimony of trust. 
And what we have here is, is a storm that is flying in, coming in. You see, when times are good, man, the God thing is a breeze. Man, when the food is in abundance and there's miracles all around you, when your job is good, when your marriage is good, when the kids are doing good, when your health is good, you know, serving God is easy. It's easy to be generous in those times. It's easy to be thankful in those times. And then the sky turns black and the waves start to build and we start getting those phone calls and those letters in the mail and all of a sudden we think, uh, God, I'm not sure about what's happened. You see, here's the reality of, of our faith, of our reliance, of our dependence on God, is that storms will come. We often think that somehow for God to be trustworthy, that he won't allow storms in our life. Guys, I want you to realize this. The purpose of God is not to give us the good life, but to give us a free life where we are free from the shackles of this life, of this world, of dependency on the things of this life. We are free from the, from the chains of our sin and our shame in our past. There are no storm-free stories in the Bible. Jesus is God, and in his all-knowing knowledge, he sent his disciples right into a storm. The storm was no surprise to Jesus. It's a part of the story. It's part of your story. Here's the next part. Matthew 14, 24 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now, I want you to put the math together here. They went up uh, into the boat, and they began to cross the Sea of Galilee, just before nightfall, anywhere from 6 to 7. Shortly after night fell, the storm and the waves began to build, okay? So maybe 8 or 9 o'clock. Jesus didn't show up till 3 a.m. See, there's a second ingredient to our dependency on God, and that is the waiting. The waiting. You see, have you ever felt like God was just a little too late to the storm? Have you ever felt like the storm is going like full-blown and you're like, God, uh, are you late? Are you missing out? Do you understand? Do you realize? Do you see me? See, you might be thinking, God, I'm still single. God, I'm still broke. I'm still sick. I still struggle with that same sin. God, the storm is blowing. Fear is setting in. Jesus, where are you? We want Jesus to show up when the waves start kicking. We want... Jesus to show up when, when the clouds start pouring in over our life, when it's 6 o'clock and when it's 7 and then it's 8 o'clock and then it's 11 o'clock and then it's 12 and then it's 1. But Jesus often comes at 3 a.m. in the morning for a reason. It reminds me of the, of the trapeze jumper and the catcher. If you've ever been to those old-time circuses where you have the trapeze uh, artists and they swing on the trapeze and they let go and they catch each other. And uh, I was reading this interview from some uh, trapeze performers and they said, you know what the scariest part of the trapeze uh, is? It's not the climb. It's not the swing. It's not the jump. It's the weight between the jump and the catch. Those few seconds of waiting to be caught are the scariest and the most intense moment of the jump. But here's the key to the jump, they say, is you can't flail. You can't panic. 
You can't scream. You can't wave your arms. He says, our ability to stay calm and to focus and to trust that we'll be caught is the key to our survival. And I think, you know what? The key to our survival is to stay calm with the jump. To stay calm until we're caught. To not flail, to not kick. Trust is the strongest spiritual muscle you'll ever have. Referring to the hope of Christ's return, it applies to our hope in general and dependency on God. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 24 and 25, he says, For this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? He says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. He says, we must learn to hope and wait and know that it is coming. We must learn to trust with the storm, and we must learn to trust during the storm. Here's the next thing. Matthew 14, 25 says, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now, by the way, Jesus at this moment was proving his lordship over creation. Jesus was defying the very laws of science and nature. He put them in place and only he can defy and control them. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, again, this is found in three letters in three gospels. John says the boat was three miles from shore. When they saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! It's a spirit! But Jesus spoke to them at once. He says, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Jesus was declaring them, be brave. Don't be afraid. I am here. You see, they didn't realize it was him. Think about this. The storm is raging. The storm is, is, is flowing water over their boat, and they're, they're, they're struggling. They're, they're bailing water out. They're, they're praying. They're crying out to God. The other gospels said they, be, they were praying. Now, here's the deal. They were praying for help. Jesus shows up, and they think it's a false spirit. Jesus shows up. They're praying for help, and when Jesus arrives, they miss his presence. They miss his power, and they don't understand his help. We often do the same. We pray, and then when God comes, we do the same thing. We, we, we either we don't give him credit, or we neglect it altogether because it didn't happen the way that we expected, or when, when God shows up, we just totally miss that it's the Lord at all. You know, I don't know if you guys ever remember Bruce Almighty. You know that movie a few years back with Jim Carrey? There was a, a scene in the movie where he's, he's just crying out to God and calling out to God, God, I need you. I need you. He's driving. I need a sign. Give me a sign. And every time he prays for a sign, a sign shows up. An actual sign shows up giving him a warning, giving him a challenge, giving him direction. And then he's like, God, get up, beep, 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 get out of the way. God, I need a sign, and a sign shows up. He's praying for a sign, and God keeps calling him on his pager. It's kind of funny. And he keeps getting this page, don't know you, wouldn't answer if I did. And he, and he, he finally crushes it because God is answering, but he can't see that God is responding and answering. You know, we, we do the same thing. It's exactly what was happening here. Jesus shows up, and they're like, whoa, who are you? 
They were afraid until they heard his voice. Matthew 14, 27, when Jesus spoke to them at once, he spoke to them. He said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Be brave. Then 28, he says, then Peter called to him, Lord, if, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And then Jesus says, yes, come on, <laughs> come on. He said that yes, come is, is country, it's come on. Here's the third ingredient to reliance on God is that not only is there going to be trusting in the storms, not only is there trusting during the waiting, but there's also a test that will come. There is the test, the challenge to step out of the boat. Guys, if you ever want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. It's just as simple as that. If you want to see God do the miraculous with you, in you, and through you, you have to get out of the boat. See, the deep water is where Jesus is. Jesus is there in the waves. Jesus is there in the wind. He's in the darkness. That's where Jesus is. And he was far enough from the boat that Peter had to remove himself from the confidence and the reliance of others. It was a moment of decision. It was a kairos moment like we spoke last week. It was a test. It was a challenge. And it was either trust or miss. By the way, you want to know the difference between Peter and the others? You want to know why Jesus invited Peter and not the others? Because Peter asked. And that was the only thing that separated Peter from all those other, if any one of those other disciples would have asked, I'm sure Jesus would have said, come on. Matthew 14 continues in verse 28. Then Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water, he called out to Jesus. Then he waited on Jesus. He didn't just say, here I come, Jesus. He said, Jesus, if it's you, call me. Jesus, if this is you, Guide me, lead me, challenge me, test me. Jesus, if this is you, I'm going to wait on your voice. While the others waited on Peter, Peter waited on Jesus. So Jesus says, yes, come. Jesus said, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water towards Jesus, suspended over the waves. He walked. Here's the fourth ingredient to trusting God, and that is the walk. The walk. It happened. Peter became the only person in the history of the world to walk on the water. Jesus, the God-man, absolutely walked on water, but the only human being, Peter, did the impossible. He defied the laws of nature. So I have a couple questions for you. What is your storm? Is, is it that relationship? Is it that debt? Is it that diagnosis? Is it that struggle uh, with temptation? Is it your job? What is your storm that you are feeling overwhelmed with right now that is rocking the boat of your life right now? What is your storm? But here's the question. What is your boat? What is your comfort level? What is your personal security? Because some people, their boat is what they just kind of huddle in and think, this is all I am going to allow myself to be a part of or to do. This is all 
my comfort level and my security allows me to do. This is my circle of friends, or this is my limitations. And we should know what our limitations in a realistic, wise way are, but there are moments in life where we have to trust the Lord and do some faith risks, some God risks. So what is your storm? What is your boat? What is your personal security? And are you more like Peter or are you more like the others? Out of 12, only one gets out. 11 stay in the boat. They felt the boat was better than being with Jesus. The boat was a false sense of security. Some of you, you are, you are man, not only are you in the boat, you've tied yourself to the mast. You are, you are tied in because you're not going anywhere. You are afraid, you are scared, but you're hanging on to your comfort level. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. See, this is life. You can either stick it out in the boat without Jesus, or you can step out of the boat with Jesus. But guys, listen, either way, the storm's coming. There will always be storms, and the waves will always rattle you alive. So what's your boat? Where's your security? What are you holding on to? And until you're willing to leave it, you'll never experience the depth of trust and assurance and dependence on God. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out the boat. You will never see or understand the depth of Christ's love and the surety of his, of his faithfulness and trustworthiness until you step out into the waves and into the wind. Jesus is saying, trust me, and his hand is out right now. So do you trust Jesus with the storm? Do you trust Jesus while you wait in the storm? And do you trust Jesus regardless of the outcome of the storm? You see, that's where Peter was. Peter was like, Jesus, if it's you, call me. Jesus says, come on. And Peter's like, okay, whether I sink or whether I walk, regardless of what happens, I know I'm walking towards Jesus and he will be with me. Some of us, when we step out, we sink. Some of us, when we step out, it's not what we had imagined He's saying, Jesus, I trust you no matter what happens. See, trust is forged in the storms. It's where dependency of God is found. So Peter got out of the boat. That clumsy, ordinary fisherman took some steps, experienced a miracle, and then it happened. This is the part we always remember. We forget the miracle that he actually walked on water. But this is the part we like to focus on. Matthew 14, 30 says, But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Write this down somewhere. Fear will sink you. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And a great response. It wasn't anger. It wasn't, Jesus, you told me to come. Jesus, I did this for you, and look, I'm sinking. He's not shouting and cussing God out. He's, Jesus, save me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, when I read that, maybe when you read it too, I'm thinking, little faith, come on, give him some slack. Cut him some slack. I mean, he just walked on water, Jesus. What was the little faith that Jesus was talking about? I mean, he had faith to walk on water. He had faith in the power of Jesus. And even when he was sinking, he didn't lose faith in Jesus. He called out to him. He said, Jesus, save me. He didn't lose faith that Jesus couldn't do it. Here's the key. He had lost faith that Jesus would do it through him. And this is so crucial 
Because we often believe that God has the power to work in people's lives, but we often doubt that he would work in our life. We think, I can't do this. I don't have the ability, the means. Uh, look at my life. I can't do this. They can do it. Somebody else can. Man, God, I know you're going to provide for them. I know you're going to do something amazing for them. I know you're going to uh, cause things to, to be uh, a life-changing and a blessing and a miracle in their life, but surely not mine. Looking at our storm, we begin to lose faith that God could do it through us. And this is so crucial because Peter had faith in Jesus, but he didn't have faith that Jesus would work in his life to be able to do a miracle. So here's the fifth thing, the fifth ingredient, and that is the struggle. We step out, things are good at first, and then we start to sink because we take our eyes off Jesus, because Peter took his eyes off Jesus, because he couldn't stay focused on who Jesus had called him to be and called him to. He started off great, but when doubt came in, when fear sank in, he began to sink. Jesus didn't change. Peter changed. He took his eyes off Jesus. He put them back on his circumstance. When he did that, Jesus wasn't everything he needed. I don't judge Peter because I do the same thing. We all do the same thing. We come out of a service like this, you know, ready to charge hell with water pistols, and we're like, yeah! Monday comes, we're like, oh, no! It's exhausting. Life is exhausting. The storms of life are overwhelming. And then we think, well, at least maybe God's working in somebody else's life. And we begin to sink, and we're just happy if God could just save us for one more day. Jesus, save me. When you struggle to trust Jesus, when you're sinking, when you're in that struggle, look to his hands and look in his eyes because Jesus will never let you go. I want to play a clip of, uh, of what it might have looked like as illustrated in, in the Bible series. So check out this clip here. Why did he walk away just when we're getting strong? Surely a messiah wouldn't leave us like this. A messiah should be a, a warrior, a conqueror like David. Judas, force is not the way. So tell me what the way of messiah is. He's different. But Mary, what if he's not the one? We're risking our lives. For what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Come on. He'll not fail us. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Let's go!
That's a nice illustration of what it might have looked like. Obviously, the narrative is slightly different. But I love this challenge that, that God is giving us as, as people, as humans, as Christians, and as a church. And it makes me think of Hebrews 12, uh, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's those in heaven who have walked in faith before us. There is a crowd of heavenly men and women of God who have gone on before us, some family and millions of people we don't know that are cheering us on, cheering you on, saying, you can do this, you can do it. Saying, you can do this, don't give up. It's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. We are surrounded by them. I imagine this giant arena with all of those that have gone before us, and they're looking into the arena, and it's your life. It's my life. And they're saying, come on. This great crowd of witnesses are shouting for us. And he says, Hebrews says, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You see, not everything that hinders us is a sin. Sometimes the good intentions, sometimes even the good things, the helpful things, the positive things can hinder us if it's not part of God's plan of keeping our eyes on him. It's not just sin that can slow you down. It's good intentions too. And he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Focusing in on that verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Guys, listen, today is Commitment Sunday. It's 410 Challenge Sunday, and, and I'm challenging you I'm to step out of the boat, to, to, to not be comfortable in this challenge, but actually step out and, and, and stretch your faith and do something that, that, that requires trust in the Lord. And many of you will step out in faith 
But just like Peter, the doubt will then come in and we will be, it will follow us and we will be tempted to stop. But guys, listen, keep your eyes on Jesus. Take his hand and keep walking. So guess what happens when we step out? This is the end of the story and we're going to pray. It says this, Matthew 14, this is what happens. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him, and they said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed, or they praised. Guys, listen, that experience solidified who Jesus was in their life. Up until that point, he was a rabbi, a teacher, a prophet, but at that point, you really are God in the flesh, on the earth, standing in front of us, and they began to praise the Lord. Guys, listen, this is the last ingredient. This is the last part, and this is what happens when we step out of the boat and when we continue to trust the Lord in the struggle of that walk, and that is this, the discovery comes. People begin to discover who Jesus really is. And I love this part of the story because in our life, in our home, and in our family, and in our community, there are people that still don't know who Jesus really is. And in our schools, but when we step out towards Jesus, when we step out of the boat and we walk in faith to what Jesus has called us to do, people close to us begin to discover who Jesus is. And they meet the real Jesus. And I love that part because that's my heart's desire for my life, for my family's life, and for our church, is that we would step out in faith and that people would discover the real Jesus, meet the real Jesus, not the religion Jesus, but what it means to walk with God with us and have complete confidence and dependency on him for our life. So let me give you real quick steps to step out. Are you ready? Number one, step out. It's, here's, you want to know, here's how you, watch, I'm going to illustrate. That's how you do it. That's pretty good. Remember that old Christmas movie? It was one of the Rudolph, put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Anybody remember that Christmas movie? It was like, I just remember that song from a kid, but I think as simple as that is, that's this first step. And then are you ready for the second one? Keep walking. That's it. Step out and keep walking. So let's step out today. Let's take the challenge. Let's trust God and watch as people discover the real Jesus. I'm going to have the band come back, and I'm going to have, uh, uh, if I can have... Um, Stan and uh, uh, Mike Walls, and if uh, if Randy's available too, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna pass out these pledge cards again. I gave them out last week, but I, I'm pretty sure they're lost already. So um, unless you have it, and then I have pins here. So if you need a pin, you just raise your hand, and they'll give you a pin. But I would like everybody to have one, and. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about it for a second. We're going to close in prayer, and we're going to let the band play, and we're going to worship as we, as we step out of the boat. This is a big moment for us. This is a new moment for us as a church. 
Again, we've never done anything like this, and we're not many in number, but I believe the, that we can make a difference, and we can do something dynamic, and I believe that God has something for us. Taking a look at this card, um, it has, you know, fill out your name and address so that we can kind of follow up on the pledge. Uh, our goal is to reach 40,000 in four months, and then we're going to do another challenge in four months for that's a smaller challenge for 10 months. And uh, on the bottom, it says your four-month challenge. It says, after prayerfully seeking God, I believe that above my regular giving, I am to give. And then you have blanks. Now, if you're not really sure what to give, on the back is a, is a weekly giving guide that says uh, what your average income is and what it looks like if you were to give 10% or if you were to give uh, 20 or if you were to give 3. Now, the Bible challenges us that our regular giving to the kingdom of God should start around the 10%. So if you've never been a giver, then that's just a place to start. And don't make it your vibe giving. Just make that a place to give, to, to give to the kingdom of God. That's a good place to start. But this pledge is giving above your regular giving. Okay, so what I'm going to challenge some of you to do is to really step out of the boat and double what your regular giving is. For example, if you give $20 a week, give $40 a week for four months. If you give $100 a week, give $200 a week for four months. Sacrifice for four months and, and uh, step out of the boat and let's watch and see what we can do as a church as we relocate, as God positions us for growth and positions us to change lives. Um, some of you, your faith is at a different level. You just kind of pick accordingly. That chart on the back is just to help you. But write that down, and then it's got a total, which means what your four-month total would be, just the four-month total. And then that's going to help us to determine if we're going to be moving towards our goal uh, in a timely way. So, And then sign it. Uh, it's not a contract, I promise you. I'm not going to, like, track you down or nothing. It just helps us to, to, so, to show that you are, are stepping out in faith and that you're with us and you're, you're committed and you're part of it. We're going to make this available next Sunday as well. We're not going to talk about it as much as we have the last couple of days because there are folks missing today. But I want you to know we already have about uh, $14,000 in pledged, or, uh, pledged money already. That's pretty awesome. So that means out of 40, we've already got 14,000. That's pretty awesome. And that's before Commitment Sunday today. So this is not about how old you are. If you're five, if you're six, you can make a commitment. You can make a pledge. Um, it's not about amount. It's about sacrifice. It's not about the dollars. It's about the devotion, all right? So uh, here's what I'm going to ask to do. We're going to worship God. We're going to sing the song, Brave. And uh, while they sing this song, I want you to pray and I just really pray, God, what would you have for me to do above my regular giving? What would you have for me to do? Four months of sacrifice, all right? I'm not asking you to, to do a year or 14 months. The four months is, is a step of faith. And, you know, one of our elders, he said, you know, maybe our target's too low. And I'm like, you know, he had great faith. I, I mean, I'm trusting the Lord on 40, but he, uh, he has complete confidence in y'all, and, and uh, I have faith and confidence in the Lord, and I have faith and confidence in y'all too. So as we worship God, let's step out in faith. Let's be brave and see what God would have for us as a church. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.